0: Seven six five four three two one. You'll never have sacred stone. <laughs> Oh, this new crazy mother! Shh. What's up, monkeys? Monkey Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. I'm recording this episode at twelve thirty-four p.m. Thursday, December thirty-first, twenty twenty, the year that will live in infamy, and. I did this last year. I wrote a blog post on the Monkey Life blog on the monkey.co website, but I wanted to just kind of do a reflection of the year and then also start to look forward. So just diving right into it. I think this is a useful exercise. I've never been like a big resolution guy. I really like the kind of the reflection taking inventory on the last year and it's really like, man, like I got to do some really cool stuff. A lot of good things happened. And we're going to dive into a little bit of a darker side as well, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I think it's really good to kind of take inventory, look at what, where, look at where you've been, look at what you've done, and then kind of get a starting point to see where you want to go. But again, I've just never been like a resolution guy personally. So if that's your thing, you have my full and wild support. But yeah, just for me personally, it's something I've never been into. So diving right into it. So in May, it was May 9th, we had our second daughter, which, man, literally watching a child emerge into the world is a very, it's really hard to find words, but it really kind of like, I don't know, lets you see the circle of life and it's not, it's not this uh, clean, Pretty thing, it's you know, it's a pretty intense, aggressive, bloody situations. Not to get <laughs> bloody situation. Not to give away too much detail, but yeah, it's just it's a very raw, wild experience. So, any dads out there, you probably know, or at least have some semblance of what I'm talking about. And any uh, to be dads, to be moms, you know, you'll uh, you'll get you'll get your chance potentially in the future, but. Yeah. It's a very, I think wild is actually a really appropriate word for that experience. So seeing her come into the world was just, it was awesome. Everything actually went super well. Our first daughter, it wasn't no major complications, but it was, it was a, a long intense struggle of a process. And this one was kind of like, you know, it was relatively easy to be honest. So everyone's healthy. It's all good. But what they don't tell you, man, what they don't tell you is when you go from one to two, it's not twice as hard; it's exponentially harder. It's magnitudes of order harder. So you're you just you never with one you could kind of do the trade off, right? With two, you're just always on. And you know, ours are. I think they're. I always mix this up. I believe they're definitely less than two years apart. I They're like 20 months, 20 months or something like that, about 20 months apart. So they're pretty close in age. So it's not like you have a five-year-old and then, you know, a newborn where, you know, the five-year-old could kind of be left a little bit more on their own. We're just fully engaged all the time. So it's an intense process, but I have an amazing wife and, you know, we work together the best we can and she's home with them. We're really lucky that she can do that during the day and I go off into the monkey mines and... Do my labor, so it's been awesome, and it's just uh, it's really cool, just seeing, getting to observe like you know natural movement as well through your kids. I just I've been reading Irwin Lecour's book on uh, natural movement, and he he references this as a, he references this a lot. But children are really a great window, a great picture of what. Uncoached, just instinctual, natural human movement look like, so it looks like, so I'm really kind of taking notes mentally of all these things that they do and these progressions they hit, and just seeing how that how did how did we kind of lose that as we move through life and how can how can I observe the way they move and then kind of reintroduce that for myself and for the monkeys as well, so really cool, really cool to observe and be a part of, okay. So our second daughter was born May 9th. That was like deep, you know, or that was like what, two months into the the COVID situation. So pretty deep in lockdown there. But my buddy and I, shout out to the rock warrior, the wild man, Chris. We talked about climbing the diamond, which the diamond is, it's a 1000 foot vertical or overhanging granite wall. It's essentially in my backyard here in colorado it's less than an hour drive it's on a it's on the east face of longs peak which longs peak is a fourteen thousand foot mountain it's in rocky mountain national park and the diamond you can see all up and down the front range it's just this kind of like dark abyss of a wall it's it's very very intimidating compared to a place like you know yosemite is like this sunny kind of benevolent there's just this benevolent essence to a place like Yosemite even though the walls are huge there's just a softer side to it it's a little more welcoming whereas you get into the Longs Peak Cirque and it's like Mount doom it's just it's dark it's cold it's high altitude the weather is much more extreme so we talked about climbing this wall for years and for whatever reason, this was the year that we really went for it. So we did, we had four attempts total and we were 50, 50. So we summited twice and we bailed twice. So the first attempt was kind of early, early in the season here, which I think it was like late June. And we got up there and there was ice kind of hanging at the rim at the top of the wall. And as we started to approach, there's just like bombs going off from the ice falling. And man, when you're in that environment and there's just, there's no amount of squats, push-ups, pull-ups. No amount of training can account for objective hazard. It's just, you know, you're kind of rolling the dice. So we decided to bail pretty quick, but still, you know, it's just it's such a beautiful area. It's so fun to be up there. And then we went back a second time. We climb we it took it was like just a circus getting up. So little backstory you hike in it's like i think five miles to this lake four or five miles you hike to this lake and then from there you're kind of off trail hopping on boulders you're above tree line to get to the base of the diamond you have to climb 500 feet of just rotten loose sandy icy snowy terrain when there's constantly rockfall, and it's kind of like this funnel so if there's any party above you knocking stuff around it's essentially going to come right where you are so We went up, it's called the North Chimney. We went up this chimney, took forever, got up to the wall. There's people on the route we wanted to get onto. So we ended up climbing something next to it, which was super fun. We essentially spent all day to climb like 150 feet, which was, again, it was super rad. It was super fun. But, you know, it just, we definitely were not going to top out. So we rappelled off, kind of hiked out with our tail between the legs. And that had been... So that was the second time in 2020. And then last summer, we'd been up there and we'd bailed as well. So I think I was 0 for 3 at that point. And I was really just starting to be like, man, I, I don't know if this is for me or I don't know, I don't know if I have what it takes. And that's, that's frustrating because I've done you know big walls, big climbing adventures. I've climbed El Cap in Yosemite, done another pretty big, intense routes. And, uh, I was just getting super frustrated. And I remember hiking out this past summer, the second, after the second failure and Chris kind of goes, you know what, man, we got to get in the warrior mindset. And if anyone has seen the movie free solo, that's about Alex Honnold's free solo of El Cap. He talks about getting into this warrior mindset. And I was also just before I recorded this, I was listening to David Goggins, talk about that same warrior mindset, that Spartan mindset. And when Chris said that, it really just it flipped a switch in my mind. And, you know, when you're, when you're climbing big walls like this, there, there is a real possibility that you could die. I mean, um, it could be from your own error. You could repel off the end of your you could repel off the end of your your rope. You could not tie a knot. You could not tie a knot properly. All kinds of things could happen that are your own error, but There's also just, like I mentioned, there's the objective hazard that you can just never totally eliminate. So I think those Oh, for three attempts, those three failures, I definitely had, that was something in the back of my mind. I was just, I know I was scared if I'm being honest with myself. And I think a a big part of that is just not having done as much climbing, especially in this alpine environment. I kind of, not that I quit or anything like that. I just, I wasn't doing it nearly as much as I had in the past. So I think I just wasn't as accustomed to being in this, you know, super dangerous environment essentially. So, but our second, or excuse me, our third and fourth trips up there, we were successful. The third time we, uh, it was like a 24 hour, just, oh man, it was an epic, day. We carried all our gear, all we summited. We climbed a thousand feet and then we climbed another few hundred feet to the summit, hiked all the way back around. So, you know, we did like maybe 10 or 12 miles of hiking. You know, I think it was, it's like about 5,000 feet of vertical gain. It was just, it was one of those days. Like we started in the dark, finished in the dark. So it was just, it it was epic, man. It wasn't it? breaking that seal of finally getting to the top, it just, it made me realize like, okay, I can do this. We can do this. It's kind of like, it's, it's the, it's not that bad mindset, I guess. So we went back. It was my birthday, actually middle August. We went back. It was a really, we did it in a really fun way. So we hiked up, we rappelled down to this ledge and we slept in a cave at like 13,000 feet right at the base of the wall. Woke up for, I think it was 4am. We woke up We're climbing by five in the dark, and we were the first ones up. It was a beautiful day. Got to the ledge at the top, and then we rappelled down the face of the wall, grabbed our gear, and just had a great hike out. We were back like kind of early afternoon. It was super fun, pretty casual day overall, and we actually climbed a route called the Casual Route. So that was like my kind of adventure focus of the summer. And then kind of combined with that, you know, we had our second child. There's monkey business going on. We were filming for the Stoic Kickstarter. I was getting up early as fuck to go into the wild, and you know, I'm talking like I would call them like alpine. What did I? I had a, I had a great term for it. It was the uh, alpine start is like a climbing term. So you get up super early for an alpine start. This was like uh, a newborn. Start. So I'd get up between like two and three in the morning, feed our newborn, put her back down, hop in the car, drive up to the mountains, go on a big run, climb a peak, do whatever. And then I'd be back, you know, kind of mid late morning. So I was able to still get out, still get on the trail, still have these adventures, but it took like beyond motivation. That's a David Goggins term, by the way. It took beyond motivation to get up that early not sleep and just get out in the wild. Cause I know, I just, I know myself and I know if I don't do that, I'm just, I'm not getting that, that input that really, really adds a lot of joy. And I think happiness to my life. So I got it in. It wasn't always pretty, definitely was a lot of type two fun, but you know, reflecting back, I'm (laughs) reflecting back. I'm always glad I do it. So something to think about. Although I wouldn't recommend that lack of sleep combined with super intense activity for extended periods of time. So summer, you know, summer season, you can make up for it in the fall winter with a little more sleep. Something else I've really kind of started to hard code into my just daily routine is the concept of the micro workout, which I know I talk about a ton, but even taking it a step further to the all day workout. So the last maybe two or three months, I've really gotten this solid routine of doing morning flexibility, some core work. I did. I've mentioned this. I've done it. I did. A, I just finished it. Actually, it was a Pavel kettlebell routine. Strong first, Pavel Tatsulin. So essentially it's called the quick and the dead. Super simple program, but I really enjoyed it. I was doing that like two or three days a week, sometimes even four days a week. So I'd start the morning, I'd get in a ton of movement. It was relatively quote unquote easy. Like I wasn't doing like a super crazy intense CrossFit workout. I would do this morning routine, have some food. I was, I'd got in a, I started walking a ton as well. I was doing like four or five miles at least I'd say three days a week. And I was walking for sure like five days a week, sometimes carrying my daughter as well, which that, uh, that adds a nice little fitness element as well. So essentially I'd have this really large block of morning movement. I'd either, excuse me, I'd ride my bike or walk to the monkey office. I got these, excuse me, I got these hourglasses. So it's a sand, totally analog, no phone required. I've been using these sand timers. I need to flip it over right now, actually. I've been using these sand timers to just kind of use as like an alarm or just a uh, something to reference like, okay, you've been pounding keys for It's like a 45, 50 minute timer depending on how the sand is stacked, but it's a nice way to break up the day. And, you know, it's one of those things like if you're in the middle of something where you're really focused and your alarm goes off, it just, it totally breaks that where this is like a soft alarm. So, you know, I check it occasionally. You can kind of intuitively know when it goes off or excuse me, when the sand runs out, but then I'll drop down into a squat, maybe do a plank, do some push-ups, some Cossacks, just, just move essentially. And I also, I have this standing desk that adjusts. It almost goes low enough where I could like literally sit in a deep squat and work, but it doesn't quite go that way. So I need to, a little boost, which actually the stoic is perfect for that, but, uh, I'll like kneel and work as well. So just trying to move as much as possible when I'm in my little office here. A few more things I've started doing. So the summer I kind of was doing mainly like body weight training which was fine because I was just doing so much in the mountains. I just didn't have like the energy units to go super hard. But this fall I started doing a little bit more barbell lifting, which, you know, I've been doing that since high school. Essentially, I think it's, it's a really important element. I know there's, I've seen a few podcasts now of, uh, saying how weightlifting is stupid, which actually that's on my list of to do a, Podcast of why weightlifting is super important. And, uh, just, it's such a integral part to a well-rounded holistic fitness program. So I'll dive into that in another episode. I started, I have a little just squat rack in the garage, got some monkey bars on it and I'll throw on some plates, do some squats. I'm not going super heavy or anything like that. I just started throwing some Olympic weightlifting back into it. And again, I'm just, I'm such a proponent of this well-rounded fitness approach, just that GPP, that general physical preparedness kind of, I think what fits my just genetics really well is being, I want to be the best at being good at everything. So I want to be like 80% good at everything. I know I'm not the best distance runner. I know I'm not the fastest sprinter. I know I'm not the strongest lifter, but I'm typically stronger than most runners. And I can typically run farther than most lifters. So I like that really well-rounded fitness and, you know, bringing in the skills as well, you know, climbing, it's certainly, there's a lot of, uh, fitness involved, but it's a very high skill endeavor as well. So I like bringing all these things in and I, I just sent a note to a local, uh, Brazilian jitsu school. I did a little bit of that about a year ago and it was more of a time issue, but I'd really like to just keep exploring different skills and really focus on these these natural movements, or at least more natural movements. So that's kind of where my mind's at. And as far as monkey specific, I've really been stoked on these combo workouts with Pocket Monkey and Monkey Three Hundred and Sixty. I think they're just they're such perfect complements to each other. You know, Pocket is I'd say it's more of a strength focus. It's a little more it's I guess slower, it's less explosive. It tends to be a little more north-south. So there's there's not not to say you can't do rotational exercises, but they tend to be a little more north-south, whereas 360, it's all over the place. So I like doing, you know, controlled rows, presses, core exercises, all these things with pocket, and then doing that more explosive, rotational, powerful movement alongside it with 360. So I just, I love that synergy. I love the ecosystem that they create as a pair and something I'm uh, just enjoying diving deeper into. Okay. Next on my list is one thing I did this year, which I hadn't really done for a long time is I just, I took some time off. I took, I'd say it was about two weeks total between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And essentially let me be very nuanced about this is I took time off from like super intense training. But I didn't stop moving. So I was still walking. You know, I still was doing some kind of morning yoga. I was rolling out, foam rolling a lot, using the crossball to smash out different things. I was still pretty active, but I just wasn't doing like these super intense training sessions. And I just think, you know, with the holidays and the time of year, the days get shorter. I think there's something, and this is a topic I'd love, I want to dive much, much deeper into, but I really think there's something about, there's like seasonal eating, right? Where, you know, during summer there's a lot more fruit, there's food is way more available. So it makes sense to eat more fruit, probably a little higher carb. And then as you move into winter, you know, there's less plants available. So maybe you're eating more of like a meat-based, more animal-based diet. Anyways, we'll, t- we'll again, we'll dive into this deeper, but I think there's something similar concept, but with movement, right? So I think if you look like, you know, pre-agricultural revolution, so like, let's say beyond 10,000 years ago. So let's say like 30, 40, 100,000 years ago, when the days got shorter, there was less opportunity to hunt, less opportunity to gather. It's colder out. So it would make total sense to kind of do this pseudo hibernation where you sleep a little longer. You're just, you're less active. So your body needs less calories to maintain itself. Again, food is not as available. So you can kind of do this pseudo hibernation through the darkest, longest days of winter. And then as spring starts to come, as there's more animals, more plants available, you can increase your activity as food and essentially energy becomes more available. So that's just, I know I, I've noticed this for years now, but I haven't really thought about it. I just, I feel like I'm just so much more tired in general during winter and then summer. It's like, you can't wait to get up, get out in the sun, all that. So I do think there's something to that and I do think, you know, uh, there's kind of like this archetype of the person that they go to the boot camp class every morning and just, they bring it every single day, which is I admire the discipline to do that, but I don't think that's congruent with like evolutionary fitness and movement. So I think it's really important to just take these times where you kind of let your body just soak up all the training let all the little injuries, bumps, cuts, bruises, tweaks, you let all those heal up and then you can start to ramp up again. So something to think about and it's something that I intend to kind of keep exploring and kind of in just program into my my year, my training year. And the last thing on my reflection list is the stoic launch. So we launched in September and st- So our first ever Kickstarter for monkey bars original, we did 111 K stoic. We were, it was like 740 something K on Kickstarter. So it was our second lowest raised by dollar amount. And, you know, in hindsight, and I got called out on this a little bit, but we just, we weren't as engaged in the campaign as previous campaigns. And I think that was part of the, the lower dollar amount. And it's, that being said, it's still a super successful campaign. I'm standing on Stoke right now. We just got the first production samples from the factory. They're super awesome. Everyone that ordered one, you're going to love it. It's it's such a useful tool. And As far as like, you know, clearly it's always better to go outside and get on a real natural service. But if you just, if you work on a computer, which I know a ton of people do, or even if you don't, Having this surface, this uneven varied surface, it's just so important for foot strength, foot health, and it just makes me stand much more actively. That's, it's, it's like a, it truly is a gym for your feet. So please consider Stoic and thank you everyone to back the back to us on Kickstarter. You know, we're, we're a Kickstarter born company. So we would not, we just wouldn't be here without the monkeys, the backers that, believed in that believed in us and believed in the idea and you guys are the ones that brought it to life. So I'm just, I am eternally grateful. I've said it before, but I think it's just important to really hammer that home. I wouldn't be here without you guys. And I really appreciate you. So thank you. So that was my, those are my reflections and then looking forward to 2021. So we're going to go dark here a little bit. So I was listening to David Goggins and I was actually listening to a Tim Ferris episode as well recently. And they both were talking about kind of this really honest look into your own personal darkness. And it's a, it's, it's a challenging exercise because oftentimes you're not going to like what you see, but it's such a worthwhile exercise to examine who you really are, what you really do, and it helps you establish a starting point that you can move forward from. And, you know, we're just, I know I am, and I think humans as a species, we're just, we have a unique ability to lie to ourselves really, really well. So if you can, Goggins in this podcast, he was talking about every day he shaves and he's, you know, because he's shaving every day, he spends a lot of time looking in the mirror because he's shaving, but that process also, it helps keep him accountable because while he's doing this, he's kind of reflecting on, you know, some white lie he told or something, a way he wasn't as disciplined as he could have been or how he let someone down or all these different things. Anyone that knows who Goggins is, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. If You don't know who David Goggins is or haven't really heard of him. There's a great podcast. He's on, he's been on Joe Rogan a bunch of times. And I actually just listened to him on rich roll, which I it was, I think that was the first Rich Roll podcast I've listened to, but really good interview by rich. And, uh, it was a, it was definitely a, you heard some different things from Goggins than you might hear on Rogan, but he's talking about looking in the mirror and how it kind of gives him this opportunity to take inventory of all these faults and all these character flaws and really examine his own integrity. And then he talks about like, if he lied to someone, he would call and be like, Hey man, you know what? I lied about that and, uh, make it right. And that's his mindset. He has such a strong, powerful mind to just correct his constantly course, correct himself. It's, it's, it's truly fascinating. It's really, it's really amazing. I just, I know I'm not there and I know most people aren't there, but if you can start to take steps towards really taking a deep, long look into your own darkness, being honest about what you find there and then establishing a way to kind of climb out of that darkness. It's Jordan Peterson talks about similar concepts as well. And again, it's, it's challenging. And I know if I kind of, peer down that hole. I, I, you definitely, I don't like what I see with myself, but at least that's like the first step is being able to recognize it so that you can start to make change or at least move in the right direction. So something to think about, check out David Goggins. You haven't read Jordan Peterson's book, 12 rules for life. Great book. And, um, there's actually a, a Tim Ferriss episode. It was on, it's on his podcast, but it's he's being interviewed by Guy Raz, which is uh, he hosts NPR. How I Built This. So three gate three great podcasts to check out. I'll link these as well. And the final, well, two more things. One for January 2021. I don't care when you start, but you've basically got kind of one week buffer or what would it be like 10, 12 days. You have like a 10, 12 day buffer, but I challenge everyone for 21 days in January of 2021 to do 21 reps. It could be 21 squats. It could be 21 rows. It could be 21 push ups. You do 21 reps every day for 21 days. That's the minimum. And hopefully that sparks a little, additional monkey movement as well, but at the baseline, 21 reps every day for 21 days. So that's my 2021 challenge to all the monkeys out there. And then also take anyone listening to this, take the first week of January. So take a little time to reflect. You don't need to do it immediately. Take a little time. And I'm going to do this as well. Take some time. I'll be doing both as well, actually. Take the time to reflect and come up with a Masogi challenge for 2021. And the, the Masogi challenge, for those of you not familiar, it's a physical challenge. It could be mental as well, but I like the physical. It's a challenge that's meant to expand your imagination for what is possible. All right. So an example could be, I want to do you can do one pull-up now, you want to do 10 pull-ups by the end of 2021. It could be something like if you've never ran 10 miles, you can run one mile now. In 2021, I want to run 10 miles. Maybe it's completing the tactical two training manual that you've had for a few years now and you've never looked at. Maybe it's completing one of the monkey 360 workout programs. Maybe it's doing an ultra marathon. Maybe it's doing a 5k. Maybe it's doing a crazy adventure that you've always wanted to do with your friends. And I think on that note, you know, I hope that with everything that's happened in 2020 and the limitations that have been placed upon us, I hope, I hope once things do kind of open back up, we really recognize how good we've had it. And we, we take the, we take the opportunity to get back out there and be wild. So I'm, I'm working on a misogy myself. I have a few pretty good ideas of what I want to do and I'll share that as well. So take the first week of January, write it down. I, I, I don't really, I've, I heard someone talk about this, like with goals and things like that, sharing it publicly. It's like a double-edged sword sharing it. The, the kind of neurochemistry that can happen from sharing something, it can almost replace the sensation of completing the goal. So be careful how you share and who you share with, but for sure, write it down. And what I, what, what I'd like everyone to do listening is shoot me a note, just send me a note, email it to elders, E L D E R S at co. email me your 2021 Masogi. I'm not going to respond, but just know that you sent it. So it's been put out. There's someone that someone is me. You told someone you're going to do this thing, or at least you're going to try and do it. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you might get a note down the road asking how it's going. So I'm not going to respond right away, but send it my way. So you've, you've put some sort of stake in the ground and then I'll check back in later down the road. If I get like a thousand, which seems unlikely, uh, I might not be able to keep up that promise to everyone, but I suspect I should be able to manage one. One thing I just realized I forgot to mention was for just the 2020 reflection so I, I've, I've been a little hesitant to talk about this, but I'm, I've been bow hunting now for, was this my, I guess this was only my second season. So it hasn't been very long, but because I bought a bow three years ago and I only hunted with it for the last two years. Anyways, so in September of 2020, I killed my first elk. It was also my first successful bow hunt and I liked. I like to use the term kill versus harvest or take or anything like that. It's to me, it's a more honest language. And I know this can be a little bit of a touchy subject, but if you eat, well, I don't really want to go deep down this rabbit hole, but I think it's just an honest way of describing what it is. And I don't like having to sugarcoat actions. particularly an action like that where it's so intense, so powerful that I just, I want to be honest about it. So I killed my first elk with a bow and it was an extremely humbling, rewarding and satisfying experience. And you know, you're just with, with bow hunting, you're so close to the animal. You're, you're so deep in that environment that it's just, there really is a, the connection and the experience and you just the meat you get you you just you'll never appreciate and take care of meat like that like let me let me start that over the meat that you get receive from that experience and that action the way you consume it handle it share it talk about it nothing you're ever going to buy in a grocery store comes even close so I just, I just sent an email to Monkey Craig. Shout out to Monkey Craig. He's had some great insights he shared. So guys, send me your notes. I really appreciate hearing from you guys. But I think especially if you eat meat, participating in the entire process, it really it brings you into the circle of life, for lack of a better term. it It brings you directly into it it's a very visceral experience. You, you truly get to understand the, the true nature of, of life and how the world works. So it's something I've been hesitant again to talk about, but I think it's, it's a really valuable experience for I think most people with the right mindset and right approach to experience at least, at least once in their life and you know, see, how, see how it changes you. That being said, you know, if you just want to go out there and kill something, you got to get your mind right first. So get your mind right. Learn the skills, learn to be a woodsman, learn to survive in the wild, go out there and do, do it in the, the right process. Okay. So thank you everyone for an awesome, awesome, 2020 on the live, wild or die podcast. I, I just, I think we're at, I don't know. I can't, I don't know what episode number this is, but I think we're in the high seventies now. So for sure we'll cross 100 episodes in 2021. And again, signing off. So two things for January one, 21 days, 21 reps every single day. I don't care what the reps are, just get them done and get them done early. Number two, take, after you listen to this, take the first week of January, sit down, reflect, write it down, come up with a Misogi challenge for 2021. Shoot me an email, elders at monkey.co. Let me know what it is. And again, it can be, it could be playing a song on the guitar. It could be physical. It could be running. It could be swimming. It could be whatever you need it to be. It just needs to expand your imagination for what is possible. So have a happy and wild start to 2021 monkeys. Thank you all so much. And I'll see you guys out there. Monkey on.